This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. All right, y'all. I have a very breaking normal intro today for many reasons. Let's see how efficient I can be explaining this. Firstly, I'm checking in from Nederland, uh, Colorado, and we just took a hike, a group hike, like a pre-tribe design hike up to Lost Lake Trail with who I'm sitting next to, uh, Rhett, who is co-founder of Ned, correct? That's right. And Ned, if you've been listening to the podcast uh, sequentially, you'll notice that uh, we partnered with Ned because I've been in the market for a partnering with the CBD company for a while, and they came in at the right time, and it turns out their product seems quite superior. I'm not sure if it's showing <laughs> on the light there, but and not only for me, but especially my wife uh, for her menstrual cramps. She's just like all in on Ned. You've probably heard her promoting it. And if you're listening to this, definitely go to Ned.com. Is it HelloNed.com? Yeah, HelloNed.com. Slash Breaking Normal, and they get yep. a, what's the, do you know what the discount? 15% or? off. Okay, awesome. And then you put the code in Breaking Normal, so give it a go. Tell us about your results, and I thought, what's happening, why I'm here with him, is I just spent the last two nights, we're getting ready to head towards Breckenridge in a few days, uh, when, and we've spent a couple nights together, got to know each other even more, had an epic adventure today, and uh, even did an epic polar plunge session and a breath session. And for the, today's podcast, the actual, the full guest is Hollis Carter from Baby Bathwater. And Hollis and I ended up talking about Rhett. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'll just get Rhett to tell us a little bit about the Ned CBD and a little bit about you. Maybe it'll be a teaser for a full-length episode in the future. Um, and then the funniest thing is if you listen to the previous podcast with Mike Reynolds from the Earthship Architecture, we talk so much about uh, babies and bathwater. Huh. And it's so trippy because I didn't come here to interview Hollis necessarily, but I walked by his office and I was like, oh my gosh. And then he was in town. So you'll get to hear from Hollis next. But before we do, what... What does make Ned potentially superior to other CBD companies, and and why are you stewarding it into the world? Well, a few reasons. The one that I tell most people is that my mom had breast cancer. She decided she'd skip radiation and really focus on uh, nutrition and movement and positive thinking to battle her cancer. And I asked her what that meant to her, and she really had very little clue and that scared the shit out of me and I said I'm gonna go and do a deep dive into nutrition and movement and and this was a number of years ago and and I'm in Boulder Colorado and we're just surrounded by amazing people with incredible insight um, and learned a lot and CBD and cannabinoids were one of the things that kept coming up over and over again um, I spent two years buying products for her and for myself um, and just not finding any sort of affinity toward any of the brands out there because there was this massive lack of transparency that went into it. And um, then I started wanting to know more about what I was doing and what I was giving my mom. And uh, I started meeting hemp farmers all over Colorado. Um, and they were great people. Uh, and They grow great corn and alfalfa and soybeans. And they weren't growing great hemp. Uh, they were growing it for quantity instead of quality. I kept hearing about this farmer up in Paonia, Colorado, uh, Kurt, uh, who actually spent a number of years in Nederland here. Um, but Kurt was a cannabis farmer before, a uh, cannabis grower. 
and decided he'd get on the other side of the law and bought a beautiful, beautiful acre or uh, 12 acre farm up in Paonia and started growing hemp. And without a doubt, the best hemp. Um, and the energy and the love that he puts into it, the expertise, he comes from five generations of Kansas farmers. Uh, and he's just a great guy and he grows without a doubt the best hemp there is. So starting with that, then we figured out how to, what the best extraction means were. And to me, that means keeping it as close to nature as possible. It means not fucking with the biological integrity of an already beautiful plant. Um, and so we extract using cold ethanol, uh, organic cold ethanol. And, um, and then we only have two ingredients. We have our full spectrum hemp oil and the, um, uh, non-GMO organic MCT coconut oil. And that's it. And so are we better? Uh, you know, I don't want to say, but we'd like to show as much as we can. And the reason is because we go through a lot of steps that a lot of other companies don't to create the absolute highest quality product and do so with integrity and, and a lot of love. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you for doing that. And especially just think, I'm, I'm happy to see Deanna, I think, deals with some pretty intense monthly cramps, and it definitely seems like it's brought more ease and grace into her life. And for even for me, I've used it on my face, like anywhere. Like I've been in this, some high altitudes all of a sudden, coming from Austin, Texas, like the swamps of Austin, Texas, and I've desperately used it for my uh, like in my nose actually just today. So not for my nose not to get too dry to p- potentially bleed. I don't know if anyone's ever dealt with nosebleeds in high altitudes, but that's a thing for some people. So, I mean, there are so many things we can talk about, but real quickly, because I I want to save a full podcast in the future for you, and I know we got a lot of stuff (laughs) going on right now. What is Ned named after? And then I also want to talk about real quickly, maybe a teaser for a a more of a story about what you're named after. (laughs) I want to just like let people get a sneak peek of what that was about. Sure. Well, uh, my business partner and I, we actually, uh, Adrian Zimmerman, a longtime friend of mine, who I respect incredibly. Um, we actually climbed a mountain like straight over that way, right behind here, uh, called South Arapahoe Peak. And uh, and during that, this was when we wanted to create the company. During that, we created the ethos and the principles that would go into it, the ones that we would live by. And um, and we ended up calling it Ned because Ned to us represents this sort of fictional character, who's the guy that you would go to when you need when you want a natural remedy when you want something alternative to doctors and prescriptions and uh ned is a renaissance man and he's uh he's who i aspire to be he's uh yeah well deanna wants to call you ned already so and then what about your uh, name Rhett? you were saying that's named after your uncle or your yeah yeah my uncle bob uh it's really it's robert edward taylor ret that's my dad's name too robert slash we call him bob slash we call him bob rooney (laughs) <laughs> that's what my sisters call me. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. So, but um, yeah, and he was a great guy. We were just talking in the car about him. Uh, he walked all over America, New Zealand, length of Japan, all over Europe, back in the early '60s. Um, just a wonderful person who broke the shit out of normal. He um, he was in the seminary and he had about a week and a half to go, and he he left. At 28, after spending 12 or 14 years there, uh, he was a week away from becoming a Catholic priest and then went on to become one of the biggest hippies you've ever met. 
That's pretty interesting. One of my uh, like in, initial inspirations to go down this breaking world path is an author named Brad Blanton who wrote Radical Honesty, and he talks about the hardest people for him to get to tell the actual like, closest to the truth are people that went to Catholic school and lawyers. Mm. It's a little side trained. note. Trained, <laughs> trained, highly trained. And then to circle it back, uh, how's your mom? Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom is cancer free, and she's running marathons again. Ooh, uh, she's on. a special woman. She's a professor in Dubai. Whoa, whoa. Well, she's thank you for uh yeah, supporting your mom and now maybe it catalyzing supporting so many other people and supporting me even just the last two days we got to spend together supporting us on the hike today. We took Davina up a big hike. I don't know what the altitude was exactly, it was but nine seven. Man, it was fun too. And it's uphill on I don't know what the whole the incline and all that was, but more important than that was fun. It's fun being here with you. And then how do you finally to introduce the podcast guest for the full show today, Hollis Carter, how do you and Hollis know each other? Because he would definitely, you came up in the episode as you'll hear yeah. soon. Well, Hollis um, is a character in Boulder and Boulder's a rather small town and, and there's only a few great characters and Hollis is definitely one of them. He uh, loves community. He loves gr- getting great people together. And um, he has a very big orbit and I somehow was fortunate enough to find my way into it. Me as well, and it was crazy, but I'll let the I'll let the interview tell you all more about that. So enjoy it. Keep Breaking Normal. And if you want to get the NED, once again, go to helloned.com slash breaking normal. Get it for 15% off. Put your code in there and uh, enjoy uh, this elixir that has come through you and all the people you've worked with and to bless us with just a, a little drop under the tongue. I'm excited for more. Beautiful, beautiful. That's what we're here for. All right. Enjoy. Keep Breaking Normal, y'all. Peace. All right. Aloha, y'all. Checking in from Boulder, Colorado here with uh, Hollis Carter. And one way that it seems like the most people that I know that know about you is through Baby Bathwater. Yeah, yeah. That's been like a six-year adventure. And uh, what has been your position in that, uh, stewarding that adventure? Uh, I guess, I mean, co-founder, I guess, would be the official title. Um, but essentially, I have a business partner, Michael Lovich who was the guy who was like my right hand without ever being in business together for like 10 years. Like he was older, he knew more, he had been in the game and we had separate companies and just spent like 10 years going to conferences together and being drinking buddies. Um, but he kept me out of a lot of trouble and like taught me a lot of lessons and was good. And we went from like him being my mentor, I guess is a better word than right hand. It's the opposite, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, went from mentor to now business partner, which has been cool. And it's really just been a hundred percent organic. Like we never wrote a business plan or like, let's make a bunch of money to start in a group. Like we just threw a party actually right outside of a town here, about 20 minutes outside of town about six years ago, put our own money up, invited a bunch of people and said, we don't know what we want to do next. So we wanted to get a bunch of smart people together to talk. And they asked us to keep doing it. That's amazing. It's amazing because I, for many people that are listening to this, and I don't know if you know, I've been facilitating like retreat type of experiences for over a decade now. So when I first met you, first of all, when I first met you, you seemed, if I was going to judge the crowd around you, like everyone thought like, oh, this guy, like I didn't know who you were, but I could tell you had a real magnetism towards you and everyone seemed to know you and think really highly of you. So I was just like, what? (laughs) And, And then beyond what? I find out we're both from Georgia and there's yeah. just like immediate vibes and here we are now. Yeah, I think that was at the internet marketing party 
in Austin, or no, that was in California. Yeah. But it was the, the event normally is in Austin, and uh, it's funny you mention that because I always feel that way there. It's a weird feeling because I used to be like a, a mark. I learned a lot of lessons that I didn't want to be the guy that I was there. But I was like, I would speak at those events. I was teaching internet marketing. I was like good at, but I never really loved it. So it was, it was actually very weird. You saw me there. That was like my first time going back into that world after taking like six years off. Like, oh crap, people still remember me. Well, that's actually a great way to describe it. And that's why there was definitely like a breaking normal attraction because you definitely were holding a very different vibe than the majority of the crowd there. Um, actually, I interviewed David Gonzalez as well yeah. when yeah, I was in Austin. David, yeah. So that's a great interview for anyone that wants to check it out. But I noticed it, 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 there was a super ambitious, like, go, this is the opportunity to go out there and, like, like if the octopus has eight arms and 40 suckers, to, like, use all of them. And then it seems like people just are rushing in there and figuring out how to connect. With, and to me, you seemed like you were just cool with whatever was happening. You were there more showing up curiously, but everyone, like you said, kind of knew you. Yeah. No, it was just, I mean, the amount of shows that I went to in my, I don't know if career is the right word, but, uh, time as I was figuring out what I was doing after the plan was done being laid out for me. Uh, I just went to tons and tons and tons of conferences and weird industry events and they were always worth it for me. Well, and now you're and now you're stewarding the baby bathwater. And yeah. I'm, I'm curious what the baby bathwater actually like the real ethos behind that and how that was created and um like the logo and everything and uh, I wish you had the lighter in your hand that had the quotes on the back. We just redid them, and there's like really well thought out things on the back. I was hoping that's what you had. What are one of those quotes? Uh, I mean, I think one's the Twain quote, or like uh, "Thunder is cool, thunder is awesome, but lightning is the magic." Basically, talking about um, you know ideas are a dime a dozen, but action is is everything. Um, and we've just like you know tried to use quotes and readings and different things like we never actually teaching of our own stuff um because i think it's pretty hard to be truly original these days in an entrepreneurial space um i've realized it's become a space where there's lots of celebrity speakers and content providers and things like that where it's like you know we try to lean into the hunter s thompson's and the mark twain's and pull more on philosophies of how to be a person while doing things and just provide some uh I don't know, thoughts and ideas for people. <clears throat> yeah. And and if someone's listening to this and y'all are not exper experienced with either one of us or both of us do, I was, we were talking about this beforehand and I imagine that our events are very similar in the sense that we're here to not put anyone on stage as much as we're here to connect everyone and hear from everybody. And, um, <sighs> The difference, though, is what I realize that ours might be much more like rewilding the inner child, like emotionally unraveling, getting people to shed the layers of who they're not and really step into who they are, and that can be kind of trauma-based work. Yeah. No, I mean, but the, at the basis, it's the connections with people, and everybody has their different functions and systems. Ours, we've kind of stumbled upon. Like, I mean, we've tried so much stuff in the, the period that led us up to this, where we did have more speakers and more organized content. But at the end of the day, the real baby that people got, like the super value, was in conversations. <clears throat> and if I look back how me and Michael originally connected, we would go to all these conferences, but we'd never watch the talks. We would always be sitting in the lobby buying drinks for people we wanted to talk to. I'd be like, oh, that speaker that everyone's staring at, 
uh, an hour ago is now sitting in the lobby and I would talk to him and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I felt like I was like cheating the whole system. And eventually I just stopped buying tickets to the conferences. And I was actually uh, in Toronto yesterday at a meeting with a bunch of guys doing events. And one of them was this guy, Yannick Silver, who I spoke on a stage and I was doing it at marketing. I went to a lot of his conferences and met some great people. But I remember telling him, like, hey, I'm coming, but I don't want to be a dick. I'm not going to buy a ticket because I'm not going to go in. But what I'd like to do is buy drinks in your name for everybody in the lobby. So it's like a cool thing. And he was like, fuck yeah, man, that's awesome. And it was always, always kind of fun. Man, that is definitely a breaking normal like perspective on these conferences, which I honor because you did how traffic and conversion. I didn't buy a ticket to that. I, what I did was I walked in and asked for a press pass. Yeah, and I was also working with JP on deals, and I'm like, yeah, i and there was like videos that were going ultra viral at the moment with JP Sears. Yeah, and my own daddy video. I just showed him a few things, and I'm like, yeah, I'm here as a press pass, and that's how I got in, which is inevitably yeah. TNC is like that's actually something they've grown to expect because it's so big. And this was a conversation came up yesterday with all these different event organizers and stuff of like, how do you deal with people who just come into town when you know that they're like, we never have that problem because ours are in like remote places and they're full, you know, no one else is around. Um, but I had to kind of defend in front of a group of people who hated those type of people that there's a, a way to turn it into lemonade of like leaning into those people being stewards in you know, the outside edges. So when we do the thing where we don't necessarily attend the event, but come when people are in town, we'll normally try to uh, make some arrangement that will be social lubrication in some way or provide a different environment and add a, a value to it. Yeah. This is reminding me of that book, the third door. Have you heard of that? Have you heard that one? Uh, yeah, actually he, uh, uh, we had a conversation for him coming to baby bathwater last year and the dates didn't work out, but he sent a bunch of copies. Um, I actually didn't, read it because I sort of felt like I got the gist of it because it felt like we connected on the phone so much. I'm like, I think these are going to be similar stories to how we've been doing stuff, but with famous people. And ours has been in like kind of this background group of people. Yeah, and ours, that, that's the other major difference. I think ours is much different price tags. Like, I, I don't, I, I, our next event in Breckenridge, which we have seven spots left, I think. 43 amazing people signed up is about $2,900 or $1,900 depending on accommodations. Okay. And that's, you know, we're constantly, as the people that are taking the applications, that's usually the biggest leap for the person to make. Totally. Is, I, I, in my belief, it's never about the money, but that is a symbol that people buy into very much so. So that's the topic. That's like what people are talking about. Like the money is usually the main, main hang up. And y'all's events, what's it roughly, how uh, does that work? Like the one we have in two weeks is, uh, it was 10K. Um, now, it's been an interesting journey for us. Like, I'm actually, I think we're in the middle of the road on the price compared to some of the other, like, business, high-level mastermind groups. And then uh, we tried, you know, there's one that's called the 25K group. Uh, it's Joe Polish's group. And we thought that was just sort of crazy and um, audacious and cocky to call it that or whatever. So we, our first membership was 24K um, just because we wanted to be under it. Um, but, I mean, he has a 100K group. They have these things. And at a certain point when your business is a certain size, it always comes back from, like, one connection. This guy promotes your thing or helps you hire someone or whatever. Like, anything under a certain amount doesn't really matter. But we didn't want to isolate the folks who are kind of up and coming and would bring really awesome energy to the group. Um, but funny enough, our margins aren't even that great. 
like we do it way more for the relationship. Like last year, I think we lost a hundred grand on the Island event. Um, this year we'll actually do all right. Cause we sold twice as many tickets. And actually right now I'm dealing with it being oversold and having to ask some people not to come and some different stuff there. What are the numbers on the prices and how many spot spots you sold versus, cause I'm actually, I'm doing my own retreat. We're talking about re- acquiring a retreat center. So all these numbers and ideas in my head and I'm, I'm also consulting someone else running their first retreat. So what is, yeah, when you say you lose 100K, like how much are you spending on this and how much are tickets acquiring? Well, like what's the cost, food? Are you arranging all that stuff as well? Yeah, what's the experience like? Yeah, so I mean the biggest part of our cost is, and I, I really noticed this this week being at the event with a bunch of other event organizers. We are bloated but in a good way on our overhead. Like we have a pretty big team to execute this. Uh, we have six people full-time in an office working every week, every day on the series of events throughout the year, the membership, like we have a six figure overhead every month, uh, no matter what. But the experience, like this has all been an evolution. We started with a 50 person event that was one night at Gold Hill up here in the mountains. Um, That we didn't even charge for. That was like the starting point to see if the idea would work. And then the next one I think was 75 people. And we did that at Powder Mountain because I had invested in that project and essentially all inclusive. So four days, that was like a Thursday to a Sunday, housing, food, booze, music, content, uh, skiing or wake surfing or whatever's going on. And pretty opulent. Like I can get a massage anytime they want. Like it's, you know, fairly high end, but we try to, our group is pretty down to earth, like in down home, like most of our people are in Austin or Colorado or North Carolina or South Carolina or Georgia. Like we almost have no New York, LA or San Francisco. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the vibe that we've created kind of attracts that group. Um, and yeah, it's all inclusive. And like our hard, hard cost behind, you know, full transparency behind it's probably three to four grand ahead just to start. Um, and then the island last year, we really did that because we wanted diversity of international business owners like I wanted to know how they think and how they do things different so we went to Croatia I found this incredible island that was like could not be more of a perfect hosting environment because at all the other places we have to deal with shuttles or different things my whole thing is like remove any semblance of your normal life um dealing with the lady at the front desk or getting an uber or having to order something to eat Uh, I just wanted it all to be done for them so they could spend their time being present. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it worked. Um, we learned a lot. But what we missed in our real cost came from, like, we had to bribe people in customs to get our stuff through and a bunch of international things in a country that we didn't know how to operate in. Uh, there were more those kind of costs. Wow, that's fascinating. Lots of extra boats when someone missed the original ferry and we were on speedboats the whole time and all this different stuff. It was like, you know, that's fine. <laughs> Have you always been like this adventurous? You know, I think it's pretty obvious to anyone that's listening that you're not looking to do things normally. What or what is? Uh, have you always felt this call to that seems for you something different than others? Well, I've always felt um, different, and then like my my dad was really good. He kind of pointed it out for me in third grade um, when they walked around and tapped me on the shoulder, like you only have to do the odd problems moving forward. And we got you a laptop. And this is like when laptops were probably thousands of dollars and all this stuff. But I was like wildly dyslexic, couldn't spell, couldn't read my handwriting, sucked at math. And uh, my dad was just like, you better 
figure out a, another way to make all this stuff work because it's clear the the main vein isn't going to work for you. Um, and so he gave me a lawnmower and a Jay Abraham direct response book, and I started my own little landscaping business before I could drive. But I was skipping school like in middle school, um, and because I wanted to go fishing, I was like, "Why Is am this I in sitting Georgia? here?" Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it's always been different, but I kind of always felt like everyone was also different, and they just weren't doing it. Like it more felt like you just didn't give yourself permission to just do what you felt like. Um, I would be sitting in these conferences and made me want to just sit in the lobby and have fun and talk. Was I was sitting there like, I know half of you fucking people sitting in here don't care about this content, but you signed up because you were motivated to be excited about doing some new thing. And you're trying not to break the norm or you're worried about hurting someone's feelings when like, shit, our time here is pretty limited. I wanted to go have fun and have some conversations outside. Yeah, that that's exactly what I would say for our tribe design. That's like the problem that mm-hmm. we're solving. Right. I mean, like, hey, now so we, we just procure so many play shops that are around connecting this group of people as fast as possible, as strong as possible. Do you all do that? Is there like an architecture to the weekend or is it mostly yeah. free range? Um, so the best way I can describe it is there's a ton of structure, but it, you would never feel it. It's all like super thought, like the amount of intense hours that go into our run of show and the exact plan of how it goes down is immense. Um, like, you know, this week, most of the team, we work from like 6 a.m. till midnight for a week because we're getting up real close to the time, just tweaking little dials and getting it ready. But when you show up, no, you feel like you're at like, I don't know, a very intimate music vessel for entrepreneurs, but instead of music during the day, there's talks you can attend. And I would say the format would be more like choose your own adventure. So oddly, I think operationally it causes more work, but it doesn't feel like it to the people who are attending. Excuse me. They, uh, you know, can for five days straight wake up whenever they want, and there's breakfast, lunch, dinner. The bar's open 24 hours a day. Um, there's wellness the whole time too, activities, you know, you name it. And uh, three stages going simultaneously. And then the only time everybody really comes together is at night we do a huge like farm-to-table meal. Everyone gets together. There's some rituals and stuff that have just naturally happened of how people have fun at those and do that. And then at night we do live music and hanging out and, you know, Croatia, the sun comes up early, so most people usually make it to sunrise time dancing and boogieing and having a good time. But the, you know, the talks are our version of speakers, but they're all panels. They're like, everyone who attends actually has to participate in one, or they're asked to at least. I think they get more out of it that way. Um, so we always have a moderator, a subject matter, and because there's three stages, there's 220 people on the island hopefully there's only 30 people in that room and we're really keen on giving them a talk at the beginning of like only go if you really have something to add or you're super curious how many people total are on the island you said uh this year would be like 225 total wow <coughs> man that sounds like a lot of fun and you said you sold out of this one Is that yeah so said? like well it's 225 now as i'm trying to have it be 200 um but like entrepreneur i'd say the two biggest bottlenecks of our business model or one, all our people are like, it's a, excuse a little older, so they mostly have families, um, and they have businesses and stuff, so their time, like getting the right people to commit the time to come. And the second is they, they all wait to the last minute to sign up. So this is a kind of a cool moment where I can now be like, hey, we do sell out. <laughs> you need to sign up early. Because I still have 100 links that I approved and did an interview for floating out in the ether, 
but we're over our sales number now. So I had to send an email on Friday being like, if you have a link, please let me know tomorrow. If you are a hundred percent going to come, I'll put you on a waiting list. Um, cause we can't, you know, fit more people now. Um, and that's kind of a new occurrence for us. Usually we'll sign them up to the last minute cause you know, it was hard to fill them up. I can resonate with that. And I can resonate with the remembering a future of selling. I think like we're so close to this event. I can see us selling it out and I want to be able to say that. Is this the first one y'all have? This is the first one we sold out and by like, and it was the first time we did a big one. So like it was sort of a double whammy. Wow. We've never really done more than a hundred. Well, dang, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, and so what's the date to that? Like that's next week or something? So that's the 26th through the 30th and we have a member's day on the 25th. Um, wow. But I'll be leaving next week. So we'll be there for a week setting up a week on the island and then me and my girlfriend and some of my friends from high school and their girlfriends are coming for our last night of partying and then we'll head out on a sailboat for two weeks from there so i'll actually not get to see the mainland for a month which i'm really excited about man have you ever spent that much time like it seems like a baby in bathwater for a full month uh yeah i mean well it will be i guess baby in bathwater for uh, a week of setup with the team. I was thinking literally that you're not going to be on the mainland. Like a baby. Oh, yeah. Like no. this, this logo. I was thinking about this logo as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we did the same thing last year. It was great. The whole team gets two weeks off to just turn off their phones and like wow. come back because it's seriously like they're all working like nuts and our team's like a family and they're just nonstop. We actually have to work pretty hard to not hang out. We all spend too much time together, I think, uh, <laughs> like living and breathing this thing. Um that yeah. phone thing, how long are you off your phone pretty much? It'll be two weeks after the event. That sounds like a pretty healthy experience. Yeah, because I mean, we're all way too on it right now making shit happen. Like, it doesn't wait. Like, we have stuff stuck in customs right now that we're having to bribe out. We've got people with travel plans from all over the world who have to get on boats and ferries and shuttles. And what's nice about the island operationally, though, is once everyone shows up compared to our other events, it's awesome because it's all the works now. We actually get the reason we like it the most is we get to hang out. At all my other events, it's all a blur. I actually passed out fainting, like fainted standing up at the first three because there's so much stuff. And I had less support and the team has grown. But uh, at this event, I feel like we totally get to be present with everyone. Yeah, I can relate to so much to what you're saying, but I'm just like so stoked for y'all that that sounds like congratulations. congratulations. Yeah, it was cool. Thank you. <laughs> And then is there any like decision making behind, uh, well, I will say also your emails, by the way, so are you the one who writes the emails on the email? And I mean, everything yeah. we do is sort of a collective cool. review process, but like, um, I have a right hand guy, Ferg, who was actually a sales guy for one of our vendors and they were late on their product and he drove it in his personal car from Minnesota. It was these like awesome wooden flasks where they plant one tree for each flask and we're going to give them out for an event. And the company was going to be late. This sales guy wanted to live up to his word. He drove him in his own car from Minnesota, showed up at my house in Boulder at like 7 a.m. I was like, why don't you come to the show? And then he ended up, you know, coming and working with us. But uh, he would basically draft like the skeleton of them. Um, that's been a new thing. We've only started sending those out maybe in the last month. Um, I'd say they're really good. They're really good. I love them. I love them. I like. I even. Anyways, and then and then this thing. What about the the ducky and? Yeah, I mean, to be perfectly honest, like it's just like the start of the business. None of it was really had that much (laughs) intention or thought. I love that. (laughs) Basically, me and Michael used to call events the baby in the bathwater, and we used it as a term to describe almost everything. And we had the speed talk we could do of like, how was that? Like, ah, you know, there was a lot of bathwater, but there was some baby. And the real genesis of the name was we were sitting at a bar. We both had sold our businesses and we're like having some time off basically. 
we were trying to figure out what to do next and we sold a consulting gig and we didn't have a company together and we're like man it'd be awesome if we had a credit card that we both shared at a business so when we go out to dinner all the time you know we don't have to split it <laughs> so we're like well, we always say baby bathwater so we made it on legal zoom baby bathwater llc or whatever and uh then when the event kind of started working we just said fuck it let's just call it this and now a bunch of people have created meaning around something that does have some great meaning and it works but it wasn't like we really thought about it a lot <clears throat> yeah i think that's awesome it's like the accidental genius <coughs> yeah there's been a lot of accidents it's good okay yeah so on, let's, i'll circle it back to the story i was going to tell you about last night because we're here and your dog, someone seemed to be like agging your dog. Yeah, he was on. sitting there banging on the fence. I was like, my dog's going crazy. And I looked outside and the guy's like enjoying getting barked at, banging <laughs> on my fence. Yeah. And then I was telling him what that reminded me of just last night when I rolled in the boulder. And it was my dog's birthday, three years. And he's uh, she's a pit bull. Okay. She's uh, like a pit bull that she's so gentle. She's so gentle, but she's not going to let another dog bite her. Yeah. And, um, my, I was sitting in the car <laughs> rolling the peace pipe before dinner, yep. and all of a sudden before my eyes, there's this like guy that has another pit bull, and he, the pit bull's like dragging him to our dog. And I'm like looking through the window. I'm like, what's going on? But my, my wife is holding her. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the dog starts attacking my dog a little bit. It's like a playful attack, but like if my dog defended itself, I was like, this could have been a huge situation. Really yeah. So I, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Or like, is someone afraid to make a scene? Like, I got it real intense. Like get the dog. Get, like I got Araya, and like and my two-year-old daughter is like walking around right at this too. So I got I got like lions den yeah. style real quickly. And then because I was telling Hollis like last night I had one of the most intense experiences in a long time. And then I felt compelled to tell the guy like what I thought about the experience. Oh, wow. Once I walked the dog and the baby around. You diffused it and you're like, I yeah. want to go have a yeah, like, closure on the situation. I felt responsible almost like mm-hmm. to say, first of all, I'm a, I feel responsible to speak on behalf of pit bulls. Yeah. Um, I have a pit bull that's like the most. Yeah, I think they might even be like illegal in Colorado. I, I, I've heard in Denver, someone just told me a day in Denver. In Boulder, yeah. it's like allegedly the ban is lifted, but in Denver, uh, so. Everything's liberal here. So. <laughs> But I feel like I got to stand up for pit bulls. I think mm-hmm. there's still dog racism going on. And I understand untrained pit bulls or pit bulls that are trained to be mean are extremely dangerous animals. But that's not my dog. And yep. to have them banned from certain countries when I've seen like smaller dogs be much more dangerous genetically. Totally. Um, this is, I just got to say something about that. So that's my public service announcement. And that's why I also felt responsible. Like This is why pit bulls get bad reputations. You know, If this dog continues to do this. Mm-hmm. So I went over there and I talked to him. And I, was, and I told him like what I thought like that um that that's dangerous like that dog should not be out here and I have a two-year-old daughter there and I, I feel responsible to tell you this and he got real intense like real defensive really? maybe really scared and like ready to fight kind of like his dog mm-hmm. and I just had that I had a moment where I'm like I got I just like my dog like I don't need to do anything like even though you're attacking me I don't need to right. do anything so it's like, like the dogs <laughs> and the humans are very similar to each other yeah like they they probably mirror their owners a bit yeah i walked away and i just felt intense and i told my family what happened my, my wife and brother but that's that was my story about today and last night that i was going to share on the podcast yeah no that's that's the real deal <laughs> yeah and that, does that bring up anything for you because like my synopsis of that was that he was really scared yeah and when someone's really scared they're i think they're more vulnerable of hurting themselves um by like an emotion an emotion that overtakes them yeah i mean 
people are very. I, I grew up with basically like two psychologist parents, and like like thinking about the. I I almost have a fault of uh, being able to give people a pass because I understand what things are happening, and I know people on my team would like me to not do that as much. Um, but there's always something going on. Like it was probably he was embarrassed, or could have been that he was embarrassed about the dog situation, and he only had certain emotions to like fight back with it and, and do that. Um, but yeah, man, monkey, monkey, people are crazy. Um, it was a great song. I took a bunch of people too. It was like what, what he's singing. Everyone was just totally vibing with it. And it was, uh, life is confusing and people are insane. And you know, those lyrics just hit with everyone. And it was super fun to kind of watch people be like, yes, totally. You know, that brings up for me is first of all, how long did you live in Georgia? Um, let's see. I was basically, I, mean, I grew up in downtown Atlanta, like literally between the projects and the liquor store um, until I was like four or six or something really young. I can barely remember it, but I do know we got broken into constantly and I shot a guy in the house. Like we were like in the, the hood of what, Atlanta. What happened in the house? You said that? Uh, he shot a guy. Like Who shot a guy? My dad. Shot a guy in, your, in the house? Yeah, like through the door, through his shoulder. Um, wow. Like multiple, someone that was breaking in or something? Yeah, we got broken into all the time. It wow. was like okay. kind of part of the thing, but I don't really have any visceral memories of it i was so young uh and then we moved to safe burbs uh lived there i guess until i was 18 uh the day i graduated high school um just skipped graduation went to the party that night and me and one of my buddies took his camaro and drove to aspen with like 300 bucks each or something like that i think and stayed there till we ran out of money but in georgia i had a what was it the hope scholarship you can go to school for free so my parents convinced me to come back. I, I hated college. Um, like, where'd you go to college? Uh, Kennesaw State. Okay. And uh, is Kennesaw where Collective Soul is from? Yeah. I think, okay. Well, I don't know, but I saw the Collective Soul while I was at Kennesaw, so maybe there's some. <laughs> yeah, I think they are. There. Anyways, um, so I went there. Did that? I was like a forestry major. I wanted to be a park ranger. Um, and then they made me take organic biochemistry. I was like, Oop, this is not going to fit how my brain works. Um, so I. Tried to quit, but then my dad convinced me to do Knowles instead. Um, What's Knowles? Uh, National Outdoor Leadership School. Oh yeah. So I got I got college credit, and was able to live in the woods for like 136 days, and I got certifications in mountaineering guide, climbing guide, rafting guide. Got my WE or woofer. Um, bunch of cool things happened. It was way more about the leadership than the skills. Like my parents were like, "Whoa, that worked. That was cool. You're you've changed." Um, it was a really rad experience. Um, actually ended up having to give CPR on that trip and some cool other, like, you know, pretty, where in the world was this? Uh, we started in Wyoming and worked our way down through Colorado and Utah. And y'all were living like in national parks or what was this? Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the cool parts was planning it too. Like their facility was like, uh, in Lander, Wyoming. And you had this huge food room and you planned out your whole, a uh, little over a three month trip. And you had to plan it out, like, your calories per day and all the stuff based on the altitude and the heat or the cold or whatever. And you back, you know, you make your packs. And there was horse drop-offs that you would plan and pre-box everything. You put, like, the food in half of a book and another thing, a toothpaste or whatever, and all the stuff that you wanted to have. Um, and then you just kind of did the thing. It was, it was fun, though. That sounds amazing. <laughs> How old were you? I was 20 when I did that. Wow, what an initiation. <laughs> It was great. I was told he was like, it's like a prerequisite, I think, to be an astronaut. And I was like, I totally get it. Like, the outdoor skills and 
going through the psychological phases of like loving it to being homesick to missing things to like dropping it and loving it uh were cool but it was really more the how you interacted with the 12 other random humans that you did it with that you didn't know what was your archetype in that group if you had to i went through a few phases um I did get offered a job at the end, which is like the cool end result. But at the beginning, I was a bit of a, I don't know, I was a little trouble. Um, like, you weren't supposed to bring booze, and I didn't care about the weight, so I brought like some flasks, and we'd have a fun time. One night, we got a little too drunk, and I made this one kid who was like a really diehard Christian guy who wanted to follow the rules. He told on us. He ended up getting in more trouble than we did for telling. Uh, they said that was like a real big leadership issue. Oh, so he wanted to tell on y'all. <laughs> yeah. And on this note, I might try the, that awesome beer over there. Yeah. The uh, Tank 7. Oh, I yeah. Pour that back in. I'm, I'm happy to hear this story. So then, <laughs> yeah, continue, continue. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, we just made too much noise. It made him mad and he told on us or whatever. And uh, the t- three of us who did had the fun night, uh, two of them just hadn't really been pulling weight. Um in the group. So they were actually kicked out of the group. Meaning like the next stop they're going they literally home. Said they had like hitchhike home. They didn't want to call their parents and tell them. So they like went on an adventure until it was supposed to be over. Whoa. Ended up becoming great friends of mine. We all ended up working on a dude ranch later together in uh, Crystal Butte after it was all over. And the, the one kid who kind of told us, we both basically got put on like a probationary status. Like don't screw up. Um, and I was also getting in trouble for hiking too fast. Like I kept doing pretty good at everything else that they asked and like being a part of the team, but I would just start walking and get in my zone in my head and it'd disappear. They would be gone. Um, so then that passed, but then I like actually when my two guys, who I think were enablers for my behavior, um, were gone. The two other fun dudes, uh, and I took the stuff serious. I like totally dropped it and like, was like, I'm going to kick ass at this thing. And, uh, end up like working really well with the two people who are hard for a lot of people to get, along with and would volunteer to like be in that group and did a bunch of stuff. Um, but you know, part of the thing was a situation happened where we stumbled upon a motorcycle accident and there was a guy up in a tree, like a limb through his lung, uh, lady's head was trapped under the motorcycle bleeding. And my instructor like basically pulled the wrong move where she was more qualified, even though I just finished the medical training, I'm sure hers was higher and she was paid to be there and I was a student. And she's like, I'm going to go find help. So she like flagged down a car at the next road and went and called for help. But I was like there for like two hours on my own and uh, had to deal with the whole situation and do CPR and do all the stuff. And I think that played very much into my getting back into the good graces of the the group and, and doing stuff there. And do you know what happened to the people that were in the accident? Yeah, so we got an update where the guy lived. Um, The lady did end up dying like two weeks later from like, she was still unconscious when we left, but we kept her alive. And uh, And were you doing CPR on both of them? uh, Just one, just the lady. But having to keep him, we actually had to like tie him up a little because he was, you know, crazy and wanted to talk to his wife and all this stuff. I was like kind of losing it. Luckily, another couple had pulled up on me and one of them was a nurse. But they had the same thing happen. The husband kind of freaked out about the situation and stayed in his car. And the lady, we did the two-person CPR, which was much nicer than having wow. to sit there and do it on our own. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that, that, did you ever do, like, I'm, I'm imagining, like, someone that's an EMT or something or that works in the ambulance type of work could relate to this, but a very few others 
or or like emergency room doctors. Yeah, so I mean that was the path I kind of wanted to go down was be a a guide and get my WMT and be like I love rescue missions. Like I just I love rescuing people um, from like really hectic things. Somehow my heartbeat drops and I like just I love it. I had quite a few fun times with it, but that incident made me realize I do not want to do it as a profession at all. It's not fun. They like the trainers and everybody's always the way they talk about death and probably like, it's just such a norm. And I kind of like realized that would create a different path in life. Yeah. I uh, recently in Austin, Texas, there was a guy I was driving. It was like right before I left Austin he felt, he, I just saw, he just fell into the street. Like he was having a seizure and I just had to pull over and, there was a lot of people. Uh, we were all standing there, and it was just interesting how everyone interacted. Yeah. Very interesting to see how people show up in a situation like that. Not that I'm calling any more of that into, but those are like revealing moments. Oh yeah. I mean, monkey, monkey, all crazy people, <laughs> and they're all very different. And it's uh, it's fun to see how people act in, in situations and things. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a lot of our exercises are actually around that putting people in very emotionally confronting situations where they can really drop the mask of trying to live up to anyone's expectations and just show up authentically for what's really going on and yeah. to enjoy that to like sensationalize it yeah. rather than like tell a diminishing story about being alive. Yeah. No, I mean um in our own weird way, I think we enjoy creating those. We just don't put any formality to it. But I think the fact that you've got a bunch of high energy people who are all very grounded in who they are um, can challenge, like they challenge each other's thoughts a lot. Um, they have a lot of common ground, but there's a, we purposely have a lot of differences there. That's uh, what I would call heart sync over group think. Yeah. Group think is actually my biggest fear in the world. I, it scares the fuck out of me. I watch it happen and it's, uh, it's <laughs> there you go. So that's a great topic. That's why I was almost thinking I was originally asking you about being in Georgia because my Georgia experience was definitely very group thinkish. Yeah. Oh, um, maybe more so than Boulder. I would judge Boulder to be a little bit more heart sinkish. Uh, I don't know. But I have, you live, live here. I just got here. That's just like I, compared to a small I'd town. Say they're, <laughs> I'll take this one over that one for my personal needs uh, and, and likes and opinions. Uh, and there is some a little, but it's just a different flavor of the same thing. I would love to know what, what the ingredients of those flavors, if you're willing to explore. Yeah, I mean, in Georgia, them. I think it's obvious. Most no, I mean, there's pockets and downtown Atlanta is different than the rest of the state, but you've got you know fairly conservative, less open-minded kind of eyes. But there, there's obviously special cases everywhere, right? Um, but here, I mean, we just don't have very much diversity. Um, and there is uh it's a little vanilla um i really like it it's the best home base but i tell anyone who wants to move here like do it it's amazing it's the best place to live you can be productive and healthy and inspired and all these things but you got to leave a lot to remember how real humanity lives because um, this ain't it um you know it's different that's something i i or that's, i'm happy to hear you say that and uh i'm imagining you're pretty when you say it's the best home base i imagine you've done some research um, have what, I, what comes up in mind like some competitors uh, that I'd be curious to hear what your why you choose Boulder over Encinitas, Austin, Texas, Byron Bay, Australia. Yeah, well, all those are like definitely, and, and I've lived in a bunch like in Breck and Aspen and Crested Butte and in Austin and all. And Austin's actually like kind of a runner-up as a home base, um, but I just don't like traffic and heat as much. Um, 
and everything's just simple and easy here, but I've gone so much and I enjoy being gone and enjoying my travels. But every time I leave, I'm like, if, if you had to lock down, like when I hit that stage where I'm going to start the family and do that thing, like I know this will be an easy place to do. Although I actually did tell my girlfriend, I was like, when we do the kid thing, I think we're going to have to move into an earth roamer because I don't want to turn into like a little lemming that turns into a family. All the p- friends I have who've had kids are starting to turn into pussies and I don't want to do it. So we're going to move into a bigger version of the van and like I need to do that. Uh, I, I could, yeah, so here you can get, I, I feel like I got some respect from you because <laughs> I, we're doing it out of a Ford Edge right now. And, and But we're, you know, we're in different Airbnbs. We're staying with friends tonight. Um, it's it's dynamic. It's dyna- It's definitely not the path of a pussy. <laughs> but I question how crazy it's too crazy because that now I'm thinking about Davina. I'm like, man, we gotta get her some some maybe some structures. Ready. Yeah, but I don't think there's no no one knows right. Like uh, no one has any idea. But yeah, that's actually like my fear isn't about being a parent or raising a kid. It's like I just don't want to lose the zest for life that I have and I enjoy and. Um, I've just seen a lot of cases of people my age who just kind of start settling down and settling. Me too, me too, and, that, and that's I'm really good. That's what I'm really good at is breaking normal. I think we're oh, both very makes sense. Yeah. yeah, we're very good at breaking normal. And that's what this is all. I'm exploring all kinds of things. I uh, I've been doing these breaking normal news flashes where I talk about huge subjects in a very simple way to my daughter, and they're like these memorable. And she actually was starting to watch them over and over again. I'm like, cool. well, at least I'm brainwashing her with something I really yeah. believe in. <laughs> and and I was thinking, like, what do I want to do with this right now? Because she's starting to really understand things. So I was even considering... How old is she? Uh, just over two. Okay, she was, like, yeah. becoming very mo- mobile and verbal. And like, repeating things back now. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. yes. And wants to play. And, and I'm just thinking the best edu- edutainment expo- like experience for her. And that one thing is, like, acquiring a retreat center and having all these different things going on. And or just going from like the best event to the best event that I think is very friendly for her consciousness in a way. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you probably as a kid absorbed that stuff from the periphery and uh, which is really cool with my business partner's daughter. She was like the bartender at 11 at our events because his whole thing was, you know, when the when the going gets weird, the weird turned pro and he didn't want his daughter to you know, end up in a situation where partying and things were, it's funny. She like, doesn't like partying and is very against it and stuff. Cause we basically, you know, I remember just being hammered, having fun, having the best nights, like just on fire with our friends and Piper's out with us. And she's on my shoulders, like trying to cl- close my eyes with her hands and navigate to the next place. And she knew how to tell bouncers at bars, like, here's the law. Like, it's actually not illegal for me to come into the bar with my dad and his friends. It's your discretion and like put it on them. And I was like, it was great. Wow. Is that, I didn't know that was a law. Is that a Colorado thing or is that? Uh, I think we did it state by state. I remember doing it here. I remember we were in uh, Santa Cruz doing a consulting gig at this Qigong thing and we forgot to get a hotel. And the guy's like, Oh, you can just sleep in my Qigong studio. And uh, we slept on massage beds, like all three of us in this place downtown. And you know, it was a lot of fun. These sound like some grand adventures. Um, oh, what about Maui? Have you been to Maui? I have. I actually, uh, I went on Airbnb when I went there. Well, there's a conference going on at like one of the you know corporate vanilla hotel like kind of places, and we did that for three days. And then I stayed for another week or two. Um, but I rented like a F-150 with a pop-up tent and had all the camping gear and stuff, and we just stayed in Paia most of the time uh, right there and then drove around. 
Um, I learned you can't stay in one spot too long. I had some like wild local interaction of them being like, can't sleep in this parking lot any longer, you know? Um, like, you can come back, but you gotta leave. You know? yeah. yeah, I can relate to that. That um, in the Georgia and the South and. That brings up the topic of, I don't know if I want to call it like racism or some sort of like prejudice or bias. Where I've felt the most of that, like, uh, in resistance to me, is in Hawaii and especially in the waters surfing. I've gotten some stuff. I'm like, whoa. So this is what Howley. racism yeah. kind of feels like in a way. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of probably good for us to feel it. And in Hawaii, my dad actually was got a job in Honolulu for a while. I lived with him there for a few months, and I was like. So yeah, this it's cool. Like, it's always poor white guy, right? Like, it's funny. We had this whole diversity conversation at this last thing I was at over the weekend, um, and some of it felt like people were trying to be politically correct to be politically correct. Not that there was like a deep why in it, um, but in Hawaii, I do remember being like, "Oh wow, that is what that feels like," and that's a different thing, and that that's kind of cool to to recognize it. Uh, I think it's. It's important to know it exists no matter what. We, like, likes, like, and it's scared of other. Yeah, and I actually have a lot of respect for it. Like, I like, I like that you're saying it's kind of fun, and um, it's just good for us to know that it's there. If we just stay in our little fucking bubble of safety and happiness, we won't actually get how this whole thing works. Yeah, if and you I, care. And, and well, I actually think it's important in the sake of like because where I think it was the most intense is in the most intense surf spots, and there's a bit of an initiation. Like those waters can be extremely dangerous, especially those Hawaiian guys. <laughs> I, I saw seven year olds like dropping the waves, and I know you. It seems like you do some pretty intense snowboarding. <laughs> from my perspective, I don't know much about it, but I saw what I saw in Hawaii from the, the kids that are there. They're doing things that are very scary to me. Very scary to me, and. And I just realized, like, those adults that might be what I'm judging to be a little borderline racist are kind of making sure that, am I ready to be here? Are you sure you're wanting to be here? Well, surfing is one thing I have not hit. Like, I love going on these big ski trips because I do feel like I can take people on. Like, uh, I've hit a level of where the, the the amount I'm pushing it has to be more micro. Um, and I can take people on these big, crazy heli trips and do things. Like last year, you know, the third run of our heli trip, we, the landing was good, the snow was good. We all went off about a 55-foot cliff and, like, didn't matter if you knew what you are doing or not, it was going to work out. But having the confidence to do that kind of stuff, like, just feels good. When I go surfing, I feel like I'm learning how to walk with, like, a like it's just scary as hell to me. And it's almost more the people in the water sometimes, um, which... It's funny, sort of double loop back to the south. Uh, I lived in Charleston for a summer on Folly Beach because I wanted to learn how to surf. Cool vibes on the island and this and that, but man, like I go into the city, it drove me out of the city was the racist, unprogressive, just kind of old money feel and the conversations that um, were being had was just uh, not something I wanted to pay taxes towards. <laughs> I like how you put that. And I can resonate, man. Yeah, I'm I'm just like excited to talk culture with you. I I lived in Charleston for a while too. I lived in Charleston with JP Sears during our first trimester of our pregnancy. Oh wow. Yeah, and then he moved. He moved to Austin. Yeah, most of my friends from Georgia they either went to Colorado or Charleston. It's like the the two destination spots. And that, I can resonate with that. I can, do you know Walker Whitley or um yeah, any Whitleys by any chance? Just uh, I don't think so. Okay. Man, all right. So, <laughs> adventure. All right. So, if you're, t- what's the ultimate adventure? If you were gonna take someone 
for the most like, and, and they're capable of, of an athlete that's capable of anything. Um, border, you know, maybe not they're capable of climbing Mount Everest yet, but they could be if they trained. But someone that's pretty versatile in their strengths physically and overall, what's the best? What do you think the best adventure for four days is? Four days. Well, I mean, the trip I do every year on my birthday, if you're a competent skier, is like my best possible trip in the world and i've been on tons and i've locked this like contract in with the guys so that i can bring 16 of my friends to it for the next few years and you know we fly to vancouver then we fly to like this bumblefuck town called williams lake that i think maybe just has mining there i don't really know why there's an airport and then it's a 45 minute heli ride from that airport to the lodge and we're there all by ourselves it's just us in a helicopter we ski all day and then party in the lodge all night and there's all the fun hill stuff too and it's just it's a whole magical thing just be there and turn it off you said the fun hill stuff uh heli stuff fun heli stuff oh health stuff too there's like you know the steam room and the sauna and massages and all the the perfect balance of how long is that uh we do four days there. that's pretty funny to ask that question that's because i had another come on come on i had another answer in my mind too you said four days i was like oh wait i'll change it for four days now let's keep going down up the rabbit trail uh what's the other thing you were going to talk about if it wasn't four days so it's kind of the coolest trip we've put together for friends and, and buddies and stuff has been uh, we go to Norway uh, and take sailboats from the tip of Norway up into the Arctic and we do ski touring off the boats but catch all our own fish and like you know you hike eight hours up this big mountain from from the sea and ski down catch your own fish and eat and it's light 24 hours a day so you can kind of get a lot out of your days there's like wood burning saunas on these islands and uh it's just fun. We do that for 10 days when we do that one. Um, it's super cold water, but you get super sweaty hiking in the sun. And so you can't use the showers in the boats because we don't have water. So everybody has to do a pretty intense swim off, like in the coldest water you can imagine every day. Just you put some soap on, you jump in, you know, jump back in and do the did whole thing. Did you say swim off or Wim Hof? Or what did you say? I think I said both because <laughs> it's Wim Hof is, you know, the cold therapy yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. but the water is even colder than an ice bath and oh, you I have bet. to go swim yeah. that sounds amazing that sounds it's great am- I love- first I'm a huge cold water connoisseur so that yeah. right up my alley to begin with maybe yeah, you should jump in the creek before you leave yeah that's I, I jumped in the we're at that left hand creek today yeah that was pretty cold it's yeah good. the snow melt right now it's crazy here there's a ton yeah the water's pretty brown what's that is that just cause uh, it's, it's, just- it's coming down from the canyon like bringing dirt and all the stuff but it's fine yeah, yeah, it, uh, it seemed very fine to me. What's your What's the most exciting thing for you to do here? In Boulder? Yeah. I mean, uh, to be perfectly honest, there's this weird thing happening in my life. I'm really enjoying, like, being dom- kind of a domestic person and feeling good. Like, today was a great day. That's why I paid way too much to change my flight and come back last night instead of I think I would have landed about now so that I could sleep in, go to a yoga class, go to a casual like meal and talk to my girlfriend and hang out and take the dog dog park and go out to dinner again and do it. Like I sort of just recharge here more than anything. Um, and there's mountain biking. There's stuff that in my old Georgia mine would be really intense and cool. Um, and now is like kind of part of the day and I really enjoy that. It's easy and I can do it, but I'm like kind of excited about my work and stuff. So I actually like grinding out work here and staying on top of my, my game and feeling good. Yeah, what I'd be curious about is because like we, I feel like we're very similar and different. It's pretty interesting, like different sides to the same coin potentially. Mm-hmm. That 
the your resonance towards the snow the snow and the boards might be my resonance towards the water and the boards. Yeah. And well, um, mine are snow and skis. What was that? Mine are on skis, not the boards. Yeah. Oh, skis. Okay, yeah. okay, cool, cool, good differentiation. <laughs> and then, um, but like, I'm thinking, I'm wondering, is Encinitas, like, how Encinitas is to Boulder versus for someone that wasn't biased towards snowboarding or surfing or skiing? Yeah, I have or, a feeling that plays a big part. Um, I actually haven't spent any significant time there. Um, what I've been told by Encinitas people who moved here is that this is very similar. Um, but a little rougher. I think it's maybe the seasons and um, we have a lot of spiritual, like kind of loving community here, but not as much. Um, yeah. Uh, that's a good way to put it. I definitely feel more alert. So even with that dog, I'm a little biased with the dog incident last yeah. night, but my, even my brother was talking about that and we've all traveled, we've traveled around the world together that it's like there's an alertness here and there's like an awareness and a... People kind of on their game. Like I get, uh, I always say there's more people who are out to lunch here showing up every day and I can feel it. Um, and I like when people are kind of on their stuff. Like um, I'd say one thing that I think the town is good and has been a deciding factor of a lot of the towns I've been picking is that they're college towns. I think it helps to prevent the onslaught of rich white people taking over towns and ruining creativity and fun. I hear that. I hear that. Um, now, I, I, it's cool to see this. We're at the 50-minute mark. That went by fast. Is there anything on your heart or mind that you would love to explore while we're here together before we hit a creative constraint? Uh, no, I mean, this has been fun just to chat. Like like I said, I used to do podcasts back when I was like doing it at marketing. I was always like, teach me about how to build a list or do this thing. And uh, it felt like work. This was sort of fun to do one for the first time in a while where we just chatted about life and shit like that's exactly why we started baby bathwater like i'm like please like i remember i give the speech people like the value in life is having these conversations and you don't know where they go and so if you don't want to go into a content room please just grab a bottle of wine and have a seat and and grab someone to have a conversation because it's cool to see what comes from it and when you take the constraints off and uh, put people in structures and let them kind of do what they're doing so i think it's really cool I'm happy to hear that, and I totally agree. And if anyone's maybe on the edge of starting a podcast or whatever interview series or whatever it is, like for me, it's I I come across so many amazing people, and the one constraint, just like a time limit to do a podcast, right. create that that one creates this like oh I can just get to know this person. I, I want to ask the questions and not because of my curiosity when I really strike into my personal curiosities. I find out like what's most personal is most universal. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I just get to be really personal with a person that I want to get to know more about, and I can record it, and it's fun, and it's whatever. I I encourage it, and I love it, and I'm I happy mean, to hear you say that. And, and it, listening to this or doing this, I guess, has made me think I should go try to find like the non-popular ones. You like we were talking about it before we started, and I was like, yeah, I listened to the Sam Harris ones when I was living in the van, and but that's like a pretty popular show. But I have a feeling there's a bunch of really cool niche ones that might just super relate. Um, and, you know, if I think about when I have that FOMO feeling, um, it's often like I sort of have it now because my partner went to Austin and I went to Toronto. I went to a, the opposite of sort of our, the things we enjoy. It was structured and it was a meeting. It was, you know, whatever. Um, he went to Austin to some event, but he brought like 20 Baby Bathwater members and they're all talking. And like, if I could just like, I would have actually sat in my conference and listened to their conversations. 
Yeah, that's cool. That's uh, that's uh, to me. That's addressing the elephant in the room. That's why for me, breaking normal is almost yeah. addressing the like or giving the elephant in the room wings. Yeah. And I think when I'm at most community gatherings, it's like, what are we doing? Like, right. We're here to to mingle. I we're think here so to... many people are like pushing a little. Like, there's a person in them who just wants to scream, like, "What the fuck are we doing?" And uh, like, want to have an honest conversation, like they do with their friends. Um, but they're in this intentional setting or whatever, and they have to keep harnessing it down. Um, actually, now that I think more about the, the name of your show, the theme, and the whole thing is like I think about my number one adventure activity in Georgia was jumping off cliffs into water. Like that was what we did. Um, I remember behind the Black Crow's house, they had like the best cliff in the Chattahoochee. Um, but there's this feeling if you wait too long, it gets harder to, to actually jump off. And so I like learned the lesson like. Don't even look. Just a second, you get up there, stare the other way, and then just go. All these girls are going to think you know, you're not going off the cliff. And I think, and you're sitting in settings, and your spidey sensors are going off, and you're like, this isn't where I want to be. I'm not like, but I'm here with some great people. I want to do something like do what you feel or speak up when you want to speak up. And like, uh, you might be killing a little bit of yourself every time when you put it down and making it harder to become more of that thing that's talking. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely. It reminds me of the guy, um, Rhett from Ned. Ned. Yeah, he yeah. was on the, the, the another real quick example of why this town is not normal. We sent an email to three people to hike all five of these peaks on a Wednesday, and it's like twenty miles, eight thousand vertical feet. He ended up being on this hike. It got spread out. All of a sudden, fifty business owner dudes or people in town showed up at five a.m. and we all did this hike in one day. And I'm like, this is not a a good scope of the American public who can just bang this out and take off a Wednesday and do a 20 mile hike with like 7,000 vertical feet or whatever. Uh, yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah. That's who we're staying with tonight. He says hello. And oh yeah. He's great. Yeah. He actually, they, they've been sponsoring the podcast and, uh, that's awesome. Cause we had a call like a long time ago and one of his questions on the call was, what have you thought about sponsoring podcasts? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, it'd be cool to try and find some that seemed to fit your message or whatever. And it seems like it could work out great. Yeah. Yeah. My, I love the product. My wife loves it. So that's a cool synchronicity. And it's, I hear what you're saying. I, 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 not, I can relate to it instantly. This as well as like waking up so early in the morning and being in this crib, like it, although it only seems as like it's 70 yards off the earth shore. Yeah. It's just a totally different world with all these people that, yeah, like you're saying, it's a unique group of people out there. They're connecting on doing something crazy. Yeah. It's just, key i think to always remember that there's always baby in their bathwater like we're trying to get as much baby as we can but it's there and like the recognizing of both is super important that's like my partner's like we need to join 24-hour fitness and we need to go to this mexican place out of town so we can go hang out with like see some of the more normal people who live just a few feet away instead of always going to the the bouldery type places Wow. Wow. Well, I, I can imagine this going on for days. What uh, What do you think about if we did like um, a four-minute creative constraint where we just popcorn questions back cool. and forth to each other until uh, until we – Cool. All right. All right. And it, it, just like so quick answers, not explanations. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'll try my best. Uh, yeah. <laughs> me too. Me too. Here we go. I'll start. I'll start. Here. <laughs> I'm planning. I'm let it go. No plans. Uh, what is your favorite part about Miami, Florida? Mm. Um, not much. Um, but I would say, keeping it quick answer, 
that some dude thought I was very important by the way he heard me acting at a restaurant and he like ran the W hotel there. And the one time I was there, I got like a suite and I showed up and I had my name on a bottle and all this stuff. But I mean, that's about as opposite as my, my feels. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Your turn. Random question for me. Um, if you had to pick one place right now to live of all these places you've discussed, what would it be? Mm, I'm going to say the uh, the retreat center that we're looking at in northern New Mexico. Great. You can tell that's been an underlying thing this whole time, like I'm talking before, and this is like, where do you set up? It sounds like, yeah. Thanks for asking that. Wow. What question What question do you think I would ask you? Like, what's the question, <laughs> what's the most likely question you think I would ask you in, in this set? <laughs> asking a question for a question. Let's see. Uh... Oh shit! I, don't, I have no idea. Um, I honestly thought you were gonna like ask me what my favorite color was, or if I believed in God or something. Like you know, it was either gonna be way out here or way way over here. Thank you for playing. <laughs> you got it. Oh yeah, your turn. <laughs> we're in one minute. Oh no, I fired your question back. Oh, the question. Didn't what was I? your question? I missed it. The question. If uh oh no no I get that. You're right. Yeah. Um, if you could have a dinner with anyone in the world, who would your two people be? Who would the two people be? Mm-hmm. So it's like a three-way dinner? Yeah. Oh, man. Great question. Great question. I'm going to say Marianne Williamson and Will Smith were the two people that just came to my Great. mind. Love it. I'm, I'm like self-conscious about that answer, but that's what came up. Great. If you um, uh, if you had to <laughs> live on um, a new island that you're not familiar with with a man for one year, and you had to choose in ten seconds who you would take with you, who would it be? I'd take my business partner. Okay, that's easy enough. Yeah. Oh, he would be missing a lot of the skills, but I trust him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. Um, I'll ask my mom, ask this question to everyone who ever came home with me as a new friend, and they weren't allowed to come into our house until they answered it. And it was, what was your random act of kindness today? I'm going to say towards my dog. That yeah. we, was that because uh, you had that whole situation? No, no, I was at another time today. Yeah. But I just kept, there was a lot of chaos at the farmer's market today, and we had her at a place trying to respect the rules of no pets, but I kept checking on it and on her, and to a point where like the person actually that ran one of the people that ran the farmers market was like, oh, she's like, you're cool to come in with her. Cool. Like knowing this story, and I felt yeah. like, oh, I'm like taking care of my dog. Yeah, that's good. That's something I've. Even my girlfriend sometimes like, you love your dog more than anything in the world. Like it's one of the most all-consuming things uh, for me. I think about it constantly. I'm, I'm still, we're still in a little battle if I can bring the dog to the event and on the sailboat and all this uh, stuff. Oh, yeah, I can see that. All right, 340, let's see. Uh, what are you looking forward to doing most tonight? Uh, tonight, great. Uh, I am going on a, a lovely date with my lady. Um, they opened a new restaurant next to the restaurant that we're like the usuals at. Um, so it's going to be funny. We're trying to not be seen by the... Uh, original restaurant that we're have drinks that we've named there and it's like it's the place we've been going forever um i'm just excited to hang out and have some conversations and see where the the night goes um we like to have fun on at least one night a week and we haven't had a, a full 
night and hopefully go see some music after that and do some stuff. And then Sundays I always do silent pretty much um, and don't talk to anyone. So it's nice to get it out of the way. I can do those hungover. Well, we hit the 420 mark there, but uh, or past it, 427. Now, I love that you said that you spend Sundays in silence most. Uh, yeah, I try to. This? I mean, within reason, like sometimes yeah, you're traveling or whatever. Um, but, you know, the ideal situation would be complete silence. Um, like I don't pick up the phone for sure, send messages or emails or anything like that. Um, always get a massage and do a yoga <laughs> class at a sweat and sauna and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's hilarious, man. So I usually like, so my, so I have like, uh, I, I love beer, cannabis, tobacco, many things like Kratom, yeah. like I'll do them all like in a lot of things in micro doses and I love to take a day off and not only from that substance, but from the substance of like communication. All of it. Like, and, I mean, I, I, this is why I actually have this like love hate with this whole work life balance thing. Like, I think it's, there is no balance of anything. There's a recognition of, like, this teeter-totter. Like, funny enough, I had uh, accidentally eaten way too much acid at this uh, event down in um, New Orleans. And I was sitting watching these two kids eating fried chicken in the rain on a teeter-totter. And, like, it meant everything in the world to me. Um, and I was just like, that's life right there. And I don't have any tattoos. And I just found a guy to do a stick-and-poke teeter-totter on my side. Because I'm like, that's life. It's, like, it's never in balance. It's just swaying um, back and forth and it's not a pendulum either it's a little sloppier than that yeah actually that's how I relate to the surfing yeah. I relate like life is a lot like surfing a wave and someone that can appreciate pushing the edge and wiping out yeah. that's another level of surfing yeah and I actually love the vice stuff like uh, I think we should probably figure out when our constraints come but like you know we, a bunch of our people are so into this health and wellness stuff and I love it and I appreciate it and I love feeling good. I like taking care of myself and eating well and doing yoga like twice a day right now and you know, putting in my time and doing the stuff and, and taking care. But man, do I feel like I lose quite a bit of the edge of life and creativity and fun and, and reality. Because I think the stress of trying to stick to some of these regiments can be more consequential than just doing it sometimes. Um which is why I really think part of the event series, community, membership, whatever you want to call it, the Bay Bathroom has worked, is like, we're totally vice-friendly. But we also have, you could go full keto and only have your bulletproof and massages and acupuncture, whatever. You could do both, or you could do a mix or whatever. Um, but yeah, and I, you know, I'll, I'll be smoking tobacco in front of them and uh, something that, you know, people might feel some judgment about in a crowd like that. And I'm like, you know, who gets shit? Um, just kind of be yourself. Yeah. That, that well, first of all, a lot of times when I do uh, the my facilitations, like my most intense ones, I, I first of all I love to celebrate. Like I usually drink two beers a night, and I love to celebrate those sessions. So I'll purposely like a part of the dr drinking a beer in front of people is. It is mind blowing what people experience when someone's facilitating and drinking a beer. It is so there's like so many snap like so much stuff fires off when they see Oh, dude, I this literally happened to me um two days ago. I was at this thing and it felt super stuffy and I was actually like sticking to this kind of health thing that I'm on. I was feeling good. I didn't even want to do it per se, but it was the easiest thing without doing something flashy to break the 
the tension in this room is like I missed the lunch break because I had a call to do, but I brought a burger back in. I grabbed a beer from the gas station. And everyone's in this room having this like you know serious talky stuff in a we work kind of rented co space. I just, you know cracked a beer that I didn't even want. Like um, I don't know if I even drank it, but I felt people be like oh, people are being a little normal in here now. You know they're trying to not hold their facade like we're all our internet versions of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, beard to me. Like I, I, this next Breckenridge event, if this at all, if I can, if I can influence anyone to take those last seven spots, there's most aligned because I know a lot of stuff comes up for a lot of people when it comes to deciding to spend four nights or three nights with a bunch of people they've never met. Yeah. But one thing that I think we're gonna push the edge on this is like I might do a beer, like I play like a beer shaman and do like a plant medicine ceremony cool. with beer, and then another one someone else might do with ganja if whoever wants to. Yeah. Because those two, like yeah, seeing someone that's in a professional setting that has a beer or a cigarette or whatever it is. Yeah, is we're done so with this. I'll show edgy. you some. So, I'll some show you pictures reason. of us like moderating content with the. A glass of tequila and a cigarette in hand with like three famous billionaire people like having an interview or whatever. Um, or I shouldn't say famous, very successful but not famous people. Um, yeah, there's just something real to it. And everybody's got to have their thing. Like, like beer is not necessarily my thing. I love mezcal and tequila. Um, and that's definitely my jam. We need a, if anyone on here is listening and has a tequila company, we've got a couple sponsors, but we're looking for more. Um, we go through a lot. And love to support them all. Nice, yeah. Mezcal is something I want to explore more. I want to explore more. It is scale. It's funny. Like if you pulled up my Instagram, it's people skiing powder and craft cocktail mezcal. Like I just love the mezcal game. Well, on that note, it sounds yeah. like we could keep going on and on. And oh yeah, I'm so, I'm supposed to be attending a barbecue pretty soon. And, I, and I'm down to jump in the river. So <laughs> yeah. thank you for breaking normal. Thank you for joining us. Look at that. Still under 111, 107. I like that number too. Great. Much love. Peace. This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. 